Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the season. We're back again. It's been a few weeks, so we did quite a few pods um, with the exit of, of Taylor, the return of Hurst, and then we did a, a podcast after the, the highs of Northampton. So it's been a few weeks, so we've got a few games to cover. Um, but welcome back on the podcast, Chris. Thanks very much for having me. Delighted to be here as always. And yeah, nice to be joining after another win. So so yeah, hopefully a little bit of positivity again tonight. Yeah, and, and welcome back on the podcast, Mike. How are you doing? I'm still walking on air after the weekend, mate. It's all positivity for me. Hirsty's at the wheel. We are loving life. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, welcome back on the podcast, Dan. How are you doing? And yeah, you wanted to talk about um, one of a youth team. So yeah, you can say hello and yeah, talk about talk about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I'm obviously pretty good as well. When you live in Berkshire and you've just won at Reading, scoring a couple of fantastic goals, the world is a good place. But I just thought it was quite interesting. And I, I one of my under eights at Ascot United um, is, is at Reading. He's, he's in there in their sort of academy scheme and, and they, they played in a tournament yesterday so he wasn't at the game uh, and the tournament was up at Leicester and, and, and the town and the rates were involved as well Leicester City were there um, Reading and, and Shrewsbury and, and apparently the, the Shrewsbury under rates were fantastic and they, they beat Reading they beat Leicester and they, 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 they came across really well and I don't, I don't know too much about the Solop under eights, but if anyone is listening from the club and anyone is involved in the junior sections, they came across very well, made a good impression. And um, uh, and yeah, certainly the, the, the guy in my team not only had me going on at him about Shrewsbury Town beating Reading Football Club, he also had to come and tell me that Shrewsbury under eights had beaten Reading under eights as well. So it was a good day. Not a good weekend for that young man then. I'm sure said he'll be fine. But yeah, he's had better ones, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, Dan, actually, one of the kids in the team that I coach, I've got an under nines team that my son's in and I help coach. One of our lads is playing up a year and he's actually in that Shrewsbury under eight squad. I'm not certain he was in Reading yesterday, but he certainly is in the Shrewsbury Academy as an under eight and good little player. So, yeah, it's nice to hear that his team are doing well and thriving. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, he wouldn't know. have been in Maybe Reading. In 10 years' time, I'll see him running out for the first team. You never know. You never know. It, um, it would have been in Leicester. Chris, it was at Leicester's training ground, which apparently is the bee's knees. So I hear it's Yeah, apparently spent loads of money on that. Um, I shall ask him about it at training this week. Brilliant. So yeah, plenty of games to jump into, loads of discussion points. Let's jump into it. Since we'd lasted the podcast... Um, Shrewsbury Town have played five league games. Um, not the best run of results, but I think it's fair to say performances have significantly improved. Um, so last game, obviously, we did a podcast on was Northampton. Um, we lost at home to Cambridge. Still can't believe we've lost to Cambridge at home. Um, Dan Doe scored in that game. We lost 2-1. And then, obviously, we had the away um, draw with Derby, with Pierre scoring. Um, the Barnsley game at home, um, which went down as an own goal. Um, still can't believe we didn't win that one. And then Wigan, where I can't believe we didn't score. Um, uh, yeah, we, we really, really deserve to score against Wigan. And then obviously this Saturday, Shrewsbury Town did the double over Reddin, um, winning 3-2. Uh, so yeah, um, goals from Bailey Shipping and Boxing. I'm sure we'll talk about the Reading game uh, most of all. Um, but yeah, Cambridge is really frustrating. Um, I, I expect us to try and get something from that game, such as we started so well, but we couldn't quite hold it out. Um, the Derby is, is a well-earned draw. Um, but I think it's worth just kind of saying that the the Barnsley game we scored a fairly early on in the first half, um, and I thought we were going to hold it out, um, but unfortunately, yeah, Mr. Perry came off the bench um, and got a red card, not red card, sorry, gave away um, a penalty, um, 
And yeah, not the best um, kind of, yeah, say, substitute appearance, Chris, from Perry in that game. Yeah, he had a difficult afternoon, didn't he? He, was, he wasn't on the pitch very long and he got a booking within a couple of minutes of walking onto the pitch. Might have been less than that, actually. And then obviously gave away the penalty at the death. Uh, so, yeah, I really felt for him because he's had he's been one of he's had a, a few good spells in the season. I know he's not convinced everybody, but he's probably been one of the better new additions we've had compared to some at least. But on that, uh, he's found himself a little bit more out in the cold uh, since Paul Hurst came in. And yeah, he, that his chance to impress there. Unfortunately, he's cost us potentially a win. I was impressed with the way Hurst dealt with that, actually, you know, in his post-match interview, that there was no apportioning blame. He, he didn't hide from what had happened, but he equally, he kind of put his arm, metaphorical arm around uh, Taylor Perry, I thought, and basically told him to keep his head up. And uh, yeah, that's all you can do really, isn't it? There's no point, there's no point uh, dwelling on it. It had happened probably over the course of the game if you were being a neutral you would say Barnsley deserved a share of the spoils in that game they put us under a hell of a lot of pressure but you know they're a very good side they're up challenging for promotion for a reason and yeah we can be I think proud of our performance that day proud of the way we uh, got took the lead and proud of the way we defended for the large part of that second half as well so yeah some positives from that game even if there were huge frustrations obviously in the way it finished. Yeah, did, and did anyone go to the derby draw? Anyone go to that game, Dan? And Mike, you think you both went to that one? Um, Please, yeah. our performance. I was driving yeah, to Dartmouth that day, so I couldn't. I couldn't attend. I was going on holiday. Yeah, I mean to say this period, I haven't missed a game in this section we're covering. So I'm definitely all bought in on the Poorhurst revival. Um, it's not often I'll get uh, passes for two, you know, two away games, and and obviously I'm telling all the home games anyway. So it's it, it's been a good section, but the derby game was uh, really good. You know, it was um, I took my little lad and uh, and my niece, um, and they they we had an absolutely brilliant day there. But what made me laugh was um, we were right by the derby home fans, and they were full of it. They were giving us pelters, and you know they were they were sort of you know only here for the derby and all that. And then when we scored the equaliser, I turned to celebrate my little lad. He's only six, and he was he was giving him the shush. He was shushing him over the barrier. So, just shows yeah, like all all, all the fans are, are you know they're they're along for the ride. I think, but that derby game was really good. I think Cambridge, looking back, trying to remember back now, I thought we looked very tired against Cambridge after Northampton. I think that took a lot out of the players. That the manner of the the performance after being so abject, I thought they put a lot into the Northampton performance. Plus, probably training a lot harder than they're used to. They looked tired against Cambridge, but we bounced back against Derby with a really good performance. And barring the sort of the Cambridge anomaly, if you look at Derby, we took a point off them. You'd have, you'd have took that against Barnsley. We were minutes away from winning that one against Wigan. Like you said, on how we didn't win that one, I don't know. And then we've beaten Reading. Although the results aren't, you know, it's not gold standard. I, I, I count this as a good period of football. I think the results are good and the manners of the draws and even the defeats are really, really encouraging. Um, and I just think again against against some tough sides as well. So I'm fully encouraged from this run. But yeah, the derby game was brilliant because it was a big ground, big team, and and felt like we went there and we held our own really well. It was good. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that, Mike. I'd say um, the Cambridge game is the only game in this spell where we've not really performed. We were disappointing that day. They had Lyle Taylor up front who caused us a lot of problems, an experienced striker who's played at a much higher level, of course. And you could see it that day. And he, he wound the crowd up a bit. I remember Taylor going over a lot and people reacting to that. But ultimately, it was he had the quality to win that game for them. And disappointing. But I think, yeah, I think there was a reaction to the Northampton game potentially there. And the play, probably the, the expectation on the players suddenly. They haven't had a lot of expectation on their shoulders in recent weeks and months. And then they came into that game, first home game of the Paul first era as it were and on the back of Northampton I think everyone expected a win so that was disappointed but 
disappointing. But like you say, everything since then has been fairly positive. The draws with Derby and Barnsley, good results. Wigan, we've touched on, unlucky that day, probably. That game, we started slowly as well, actually. I thought for 20 minutes, Wigan were all over us and we, I was worried about what was going to happen. But we grew into the contest. We grew into it to the point that we felt like we were the better side. And then, yeah, we, we paid for a sloppy moment of defending and then couldn't take our chances. But I, 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 I don't remember the last time I saw a Shrewsbury side pile on the pressure in the closing stages. I don't know if you remember, there were 11 minutes of injury time in that game. And we spent most of those 11 minutes basically taking corners because it seemed to be corner after corner, balls coming into the box. Dunkley should have scored. Keepers made a good save from him. Uh, Aaron Pierre had a good effort as well. The keeper saved. You know, that's, it's not like we didn't create chances. And that's been the thing that we've been on this podcast moaning about game after game in recent months, the lack of chances. Well, even though we didn't score that day, we certainly had the chances. And against Reading, it just shows if you keep creating chances, suddenly you'll take a few of them. And that's what we've done. So eight points from six games, not spectacular, but certainly more than good enough to, to keep us where we need to be. Yeah, Dan, and what was your thoughts on the, the Derby game? And obviously, I'm sure you very much enjoyed the, the Reading win on, on Saturday. Yeah, they're both similar in some ways in that you go into big grounds. That's the first time I've been to the Majestic. I've seen this play at Elm Park, but I was a bit worried, Ollie, because the game I saw at Elm Park ended 3-3 and it did occur to me at half-time that that might be on again. Um, but, you know, good, good places to watch football. And Tang did very well on both occasions. And the thing I liked about it is there was different players doing different things that kept me interested. I thought Sobawala was very good at Derby for an hour until until he had to go off injured. I thought Bloxham, I, I have no idea what was going on with Bloxham at Reading. He, he was phenomenal. And, and I've sort of listened back to a few of the, the, the Reading guys who I, I spoke to a Reading podcast last week. And they were like, you know, who the hell was that? He, you know, cool. and, and if that's on Bloxham... Is what we're getting from here on in. Then we have a player on our hands because I just thought I thought he was brilliant, not perfect, but brilliant. Um, and also, I sort of like one or two th- things I heard this morning about from, from the Reading guys. They never want to play Shrewsbury Town ever again. That's the official position, right? And hopefully they will next year because because we'll both out. But 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 you know, it's not often people say that about Shrewsbury Town, is it? But I can see why they say it. So um, I'm thinking Derby might be in the same position, guys. You know, we have a decent record against Derby and I thought the shape of the team was really good, just as it was yesterday. I thought, you know, we were a bit luckier and we weren't against Wigan, but we were a bit luckier and that that can count for a lot as well. Yeah, there's been um, some fantastic stats shared um, by Rodman, who was on BBC Shropshire um, on Saturday. Um, By all all counts, he did a really good job. Um, And he shared some fantastic stats. And I know some fans get very upset when you talk about stats or XG. um, So bear with us. Um, But there's some good stats in here. So when before, this is all pre-Pearl Hurst and then post-Pearl Hurst building up into Reading. Obviously, the Reading game doesn't count. Um, But in terms of ball possession, we were 23rd and then then we were 16th. Shots per game, um, we were 23rd and then second. So the Paul Hurst team was second in the division for a number of shots. Um, crosses, we were 21st, then we're second. Um, and then passes into the final third, and we were um, 22nd, and now we're first. And then possession, uh, pressing and regaining possession, we were 19th and now first. Now, that's to say, Dan, that is quite a phenomenal turnaround. Like, yeah, we've talked about performances and we're a bit unlucky in some of those games. We could easily have got you know, a win against Barnsley, a point against Wigan. But that performance and the turnaround from Paul Hurst in a performance point of view is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and I like a stat. 
and some of those stats are really interesting, but I don't think they quite tell the whole story. They don't, they don't quite tell us much that much about shape. That maybe indirectly they do, but the, the shape of the team is. And what that's what I wanted to talk about. So, so they're the stats. Yeah. What do we think has contributed to those improvements of those stats? And we'll I'll start with you, Dan. And yeah, you said I, think, shape. I think shape's a big one. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot going on here. I mean, it, managers at all levels in all in all industries have got to get the best out of the people who they work with, right? And Paul Hurst as, and his team have clearly got something that Matt Taylor didn't have. Now, Matt, Matt Taylor might have that with another group in another situation, but Paul has come in and has clearly given them this sort of je ne sais quoi that they wouldn't have had otherwise. But he's also clearly done stuff, and the shape just looks better. It just feels better. We've got more time on the ball. Um, and, and I think that makes a real difference. Having those two holding midfield players... Um, I think I think Kenna came on for half an hour yesterday, and, and it looks like he'll he'll be better for this as well. And I was a bit I quite like Kenna as you well know, but I was a bit worried that he might not fit in. But I can see that he he could do, and so I think the big picture push in giving players confidence in their own ability um, seems to be working. Now I don't know how he's done that. I'm not in the dressing room, but the, the, that counts for a lot. The four two three one works. A four three three would work, but the key thing for me is that the players seem to be listening, buying in and believe in that they can do better than they have been. I, you know, I think, you know, there's a, I think Dan described it quite well. There's a sort of a nebulous thing going on. That you can't really describe. Is it the vibe around the place? Paul Hurst comes in with a very, very positive outlook, very positive mindset. And he clearly from, from when we went to Northampton, we covered it on the last pod. It was night and day, like a different set of players, like we were watching a different team. And you could just tell that he had freed them up the brakes off. We were playing with the handbrake on under Matt Taylor. We were worried about every opposition. We were worried to lose. We weren't trying to win. Paul has come in and, and just by simply moving to a back four, it frees up one extra body to be further up the pitch. It just means you've got more options to pass the ball in their half. There are more options, more options to keep the ball. You know, if you're looking for a willing runner into a channel, there's just one more person up there to make the run. It means you can make the ball stay in the opposition's half a bit longer. And if the ball's in their half, you can maybe nick a shot. You can nick a pass into a dangerous area. And so those stats are a net result of the ball just being up the other end of the pitch more. And that comes from, like Dan says, setting up with a, with a much more positive formation I, some people say you know three center hours and two wing backs can still be positive but it's fundamentally got a lot of defensive players there isn't it and by by taking one of the center halves out and putting a midfield or a winger in their place you just you're just traveling towards the opposition goal the other thing is i think hinchy coming in he plays the ball forward he's always looking forward he's young and he makes the odd mistake but you're replacing kenner with hinchy he, he's just passionate into more dangerous areas he's, he's a footballer not a not a not a breaker up and not a destroyer. It's Do you not think Mike? He looks like he's been at a Premier League club. He, he looks he's good. like he's, very good. He, he's yeah. got that thinking on his shoulders, yeah. doesn't he? Exactly, and you can tell he's been in, in an academy that that plays football, which really helps Winchester play with him as a two, and then. Shipley and, and Bayless have got that little mojo going again. They really lost under Taylor and yet can only come from the manager's influence and the manager setting them up to play. You know, I don't think under Matt Taylor we'd have tried that corner out to the edge of the box for Shipley to have a shot at. You know, Matt Taylor would have been, you know, he was very by numbers. He'd have just chopped it in for the big man. So we, we seem to be a bit more creative. We seem to be allowing to make mistakes. Uh, and the players and the managers seem to encourage players when they make mistakes. So, like, you know, feel free to do that again because you're trying to do something positive. And that, that's kind of the, the vibe I get from the team, I think. Dan? I also think little things go your way sometimes. And I've not heard anyone else say this. Maybe it's just me, but Aaron Pierre getting injured yesterday really helped us. Right in the terms of the game, because Aaron Pierre is there to defend against Joe Jordan. Right, that that's who his ideal centre forward is. Not not a quick, clever Sam Smith, who I thought was very good for an hour yesterday. And so him going off 
and Swaha coming on actually helps us massively because Swaha's a really good footballer, as as in footballer with his feet. And I thought he was he was plugging a lot of holes quite easily in the second half, where I, I imagine Pierre might have been turning and running and desperately trying to sort of catch Smith. And I thought Swaha was brilliant for an hour. And of course, it wasn't really planned. It was just. I do um, think, just Dan, for the demographic that. of our listeners, you've got to explain Joe Jordan. What? No, really? <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay. Six foot oh, really? five inch, ugly centre forward who goes through brick walls. That will do. Yeah. He's a bit before some of our listeners were even born, I would suggest. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think so. I thought, yeah, you've hit on some really interesting points there. So, yeah, shape. Um, and you know, attacking intent. I think that's what might, the kind of summary of maybe what Mike is saying in terms of freedom for the players. Um, and it, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I don't know if it was on purpose or obviously there's a feel good vibes, and the media team are going to kind of tap into that. And I think that helps as well. I think it helps that the fans were obviously on the, on the players. Burton Albion away was quite hostile towards the players. Interestingly, Shipley not in the middle of it, but he he kind of brought a brunt of that and said we we're going to get better. He's a man of his word. We have got better. Um, but I think it's all interesting that the players just seem happier. You know, if you're going to work and you're happier, um, that just seems to have taken the lift. Paul Hurst is a really, really good man manager. And Chris has mentioned one example already with how he handled, handled Perry. He's a young lad, he makes mistakes, he'll improve. You know, nothing negative, all positive and supporting him. And the players seem rejuvenated. Um, and... I think the thing that I like the most is I, I do wonder, and it may be I'm creating a conspiracy theory here, but did did Paul Hurst make the decision to bring Bloxham back? I don't know. Um, but he's a man that has been on, he's got a record, hasn't he, of improving young players, particularly young wide players or forwards. Um, and yeah, we were chatting during the game um, that, you know, we were talking about Bloxham. I said he keeps giving the ball away, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but he absolutely tore their left back apart. When he's dribbling and reacting, you know, when he doesn't have time, too much time to think, he's just purely just playing and reacting. He's really good. You know, the bicycle kick, um, we obviously score um, at home to Gillingham when he scored his first goal, reactionary football. And he was brilliant on Saturday. And I really, really, I'd love him to go on and play at a high level. Like, obviously, better if we did it with Shrewsbury. You know, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. Um, it's more likely that Blocks and maybe in the go. But I'd love it for him to go and have like a Dave Edwards type career and go and play at a higher level because that means that we've, we've been successful and he's been successful as well. So it's really interesting to see what, what happens if, with him, Mike. Yeah, and, and he sort of plays into another thing I've noticed. Um, her sort of he set us up differently than we were under Taylor. We play with a lot more width. You know, the stat that we are banging in crosses left, right, and center is not a surprise because Shipley and um. And Bloxham are, are, are hugging that touchdown. And Sobwale when he comes on, and they are and encouraged to run. Yeah, Benning as well is getting up the uh, getting up the width. I mean, you know, it, he's he's very good at going forward as well. And that little link up with um, Shipley is very good when they go forward. They need to be Our a left little flank is really strong. They do open themselves. They do open themselves up a little bit. Hasn't he? He's been a revelation, yeah. Benning. Last month he's been fantastic. Yeah, but I, th- but I, I think we'll there's a nice with... balance to the team as well. Yeah, because but playing with a lot more width. So you, you can only do that if you're trusting players to run with the ball and dribble at players. And nine times out of ten, it was always the problem we had with Sean Wally. They'll give the ball away because dribbling past a player is a fine art, isn't it? Or they'll run it into a corridor. But you'd let them do that over and over again for the time when they can cut in or they, they can deliver the cross and make something happen. And it's like I say, Paul Hurst just being brave enough to let, let players make their own decisions and be creative. And that comes from the width that's in the pitch. But pulling that width out then means there's more space in the middle for the midfielders. It just it feels better than it's all being gummed up in the middle of the pitch and just waiting for a, for a wing-back to overlap. And more often than not, it wouldn't. And that, that's why we felt a little bit stilted under Taylor, I think. And again, it's just a little bit freer 
under Paul Hurst. Well, I think having footballers in the middle of the park is a huge one as well. Obviously, Hinchley mm. coming in, Winchester playing there as well, um, obviously helps a lot. Um, but I think also, actually, you know, the fact that we do have, we don't have an out-and-out right-back at right-back, actually, is the thing that actually helps us because it means that Benning can just bomb on and we do then to actually sometimes become a bit of a three at the back with Feeney sitting back. He does go forward, um, but yeah, interesting that we have that balance at the moment. And I think our left flank is definitely the most technically gifted. Benning, Shipley um, and, and Bailey's all linking up. And I think one of the points I wanted to make is that it was players that have jumped back into form very quickly. So even like maybe Morosi's probably a bit better form as well. He had a really good game against Barnsley. He was his form was kind of ebbing a little bit at the end of the tail era. Um, and then Shipley and Bayliss look absolutely um, revived players. Um, so Chris, it's Could been you... quite interesting, hasn't it, what he's done with with the players? Yeah, the ones you mentioned there, Bayliss in particular for me. I mean, he, we've talked about him on this podcast several times in terms of how he's just not been there this season. It's, we've, we've been waiting for Tom Bayliss to wake up, for want of a better word. But certainly in the last month, he has woken up. He's contributing, he's creating. And we saw him back to scoring again as well this weekend. So, yeah, Tom Bayliss suddenly looks like the footballer we want him to be, the, the, the creator who can make things happen, I suppose. I think we've said this on a previous podcast. He's got he's, he's kind of filling in the role that John Nolan played and uh, played in the last great Paul Hurst team that we had here, as it were. So, yeah, he's got he's got the potential to do that role as well, if not better. And I really hope he's still here next season. But you know, Bayliss out of contract, isn't he? I think we've got an option, but I'd guess that's an expensive option. So it'd be interesting to see if he's a player who's still in a blue shirt next season. But fingers crossed, because he, he looks to me like the player we always knew he could be again. I was just going to add in about Bloxham very quickly that Chris, you, you, your 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 son would have loved Bloxham celebration yesterday. My two were, were like absolutely over the moon that we've got somebody going all big on gymnastics, and I was a little disappointed. I didn't see any evidence of that on the playing field this morning when they were out there. But um, it was um, yeah, <laughs> and all the kids in the away end loved that celebration. I want to see more of it. The club tweeted that. It's very impressive, isn't it? It's very impressive. And I was driving back from a a nine-year-old's birthday party when that goal was scored, and I listened to it on the radio. Stuart Dunn was getting very excited about that goal celebration. Alex Rodman missed it. Alex Rodman was too busy looking at the crowd, he said, and he said he missed the whole thing. But, yeah, Stuart Dunn was telling him him to look out for it on the replay, and so I made sure I did. And, yeah, fantastic. It's just exuberant, isn't it? It was lovely to see a young player uh, enjoying his time. And he's been getting close. You know, we talked earlier about the own goal in the game against... uh... Was it which where was the own goal? Derby, was it? Barnsley at home. Barnsley, sorry. That was Bloxham, wasn't it? It was in amongst that. And in fact, in the stadium, that goal was announced as Bloxham's, but it clearly was an own goal. But he's been getting closer. But that was his first goal in Shrewsbury Colours, apparently, for a couple of years. So we've we've been waiting a while for that. And yeah, fantastic for him. And hopefully the first of a few to come. And I think one of the things that's maybe surprised as well, you know, looking back on the, the victory on Saturday and a question for Mike and Dan. Um, Dan Adoe was injured or unwell and was able to play. Um, how do you think Bloman played? Um, you know, it's one thing kind of watching the following the game, but there's another thing being there live. Or do you, do you expect Dan Adoe to come back into the starting lineup? I, I think Adoe goes straight back into the starting lineup. Bowman was 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 hard working and honest, but more often than not, he just wasn't sort of in the right place. And you know he's a he little had that bit one slow good to control and things. shot, didn't he? But yeah, didn't have. Yeah, in ninety minutes, you kind of expect a little bit more than that. And I, I think he's, you know, he's all right. He's I'm coming off the bench and running down a defence for the last fifteen minutes. Fine, but Udo's got to start as soon as he's available again. Um, that's the only real worry going into the end of the season is it's kind of just got them two really. 
Um, in terms of a strike force, you know, maybe Bloxham could rotate in there, but we'd lose so much not having him out on the, the wide areas. And, you know... It's, Unless you play Trouble Wally I mean, and, and then, and then Bloxham... No, but you, you're starting to fiddle with, yeah. with players who want straight through the middle, number nine hold-up players. And we feel light there. So all it, if Dan Udo rolls his ankle and is out for four weeks, we, we're struggling. We're not struggling because the other players in the team are really contributing, but we're not as effective, I think. Um, and that's a big... It's a big it's a big thing to manage going going through to the end of the season, making sure that Udo's available more often than not, I hope, um, would be what well, I would think. What do you think of on Saturday, Dan or yeah, Chris? All I was going to say, sorry, quickly, is, uh, yeah, all, what I would say as a positive is when you have a setback when, let's face it, our, probably our best player is is missing, certainly our most uh, likely goal threat is missing. You think, oh, I saw, you know, the social media reaction when the team news came out was, well, we're not scoring today then, and oh, this is going to be a hard afternoon and all that. And actually, we end up scoring three goals away from home for the first time in well over a year. So, you know, it, we, we managed to deal with a setback and respond. And, you know, that's a credit to the manager and a credit to the players because that could have been a difficult situation for us. Yeah, it's funny. Um, we scored 30% of our away goals against Redden and 26 of, 26% of all our goals this season against Redden. Um, so there's no surprise, Dan, that their fans don't want to play us again. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Reading reaction has been quite interesting, I think, because... In a way, I get it. You know, you've lost three two in, in in quite odd circumstances both times to to a team that they probably expected to get get six points from. I, you know, because that's what big clubs do. They expect to be small clubs, right? Um, but also, I get a bit annoyed with some of the reactions. The immediate reaction to all of our goals in one of the podcasts I I happened to to listen to quickly this morning was that it was all defensive mistakes, and I'm like, really. Was it re- Jordan Shipley? You, you can't give him just at least a little bit of credit for absolutely the corner and the corner and a volley. Is no, no, no talent there. And then that no, yeah. no, was David Button's fault. It's David Button's fault. David Button should have saved it. And it's like, well, my yeah, maybe every goal ever scored is a defensive mistake, guys. Right? It is because somebody could have been stopping. Sometimes it. But, you've got to put your hand up and just say, as we have done on our podcast today, giving respect to to um, to, to the Cambridge striker and even yeah, Redden striker. So I think it's yeah, and Sam Smith. I thought Sam Smith was very good. For yeah. an hour, but but a lot of the time that the Reading reaction was very much that that what what I find quite depressing. It was all about them, and it was all about mistakes that they made, and there wasn't really any evidence that we did anything, and and we just happened to score one of the best goals that we will score all season. And I thought Bloxham's goal was a really good goal. I thought Bailey showed a fair amount of skill to finish it, but we, we weren't getting all that. Cutback was was class. Yeah, the cut composure to do that, Mike, in the box was very impressive. Yeah, brilliant, and and it just it just goes to show a guy a guy who's confident. But uh, interesting, I listened to Shipley's post match, and he said, "I knew Tom would do that when he got in the box. I, I knew he wasn't going to hit it with his left. He prefers it on his right." And he said he, could, he knew he was going to chop before he did and go near post. So they obviously understand each other's game as well. They're obviously uh, well drilled. But I was just thinking about the other things that you, you could sort of point to that Paul Hurst has done to to sort of turn this round and make us a much more competent unit. And the first thing I think we mentioned it on the last podcast is he's playing the ready footballers, the footballers that have hundreds of league games under their belts. And he's consistent with that team selection. You know, he's only really making enforced changes or, you know, he's bringing people on at the end of games for tired legs. But his first 11, if we didn't have any injuries, would probably be the same until the end of the year. And he's relying on the experienced players and the the sort of the fit and the able players. Um, gone are the, you know, the project players, I think we called them. They're slowly being fed back in after he's, after he's, after he's had time to spend with them, but they didn't go in from day one, did they? So, you know, we saw Sahar, brilliant. If he can blood him back in slowly, that's great. And, and there's definitely a player there somewhere. You know, Max Matter, 
he's been bombed back to Ireland. He, he's made very quick decisions about who's capable and who isn't, and it's it's getting results because we get well, we're playing a lot better, aren't we? So, a he's obviously worked out who's who's ready in the squad and who isn't. And the other thing is around mentality as well. They be, they're playing for something. They believe that we're capable of being better than we were. Um, and I think you look at the response to us throwing a two goal lead away to be able to come back and score another one and be resolute and defend out the win. I don't think Matt Taylor's team would have done that. If we'd have let two slip, we'd have probably lost that 4-2 because they didn't. They would have been surprised to go two up and they, there was no belief in that team at all. So, you know, I, I, I could wax lyrical about what Paul Hurst has done for the rest of the afternoon, but I'd, I'd be at risk of repeating myself. But yeah, I just think it, it's stunning really. But yeah, mentality and, and, and knowing football, being able to spot the players is, is a huge skill of his. I think he did it the first time he came in. You know, he dropped down to a very, very steady 12 and picked them through the end of the season and kept us up, didn't he? But um, yeah, no. Yeah, Dan, what are your any more abiding memories from Saturday, Dan? It was, it was a good day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant day, and 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 everything about it works. Away wins are always good, and the the, the thing that I felt was most memorable was I said to to, to Benny Harvey, who's sitting next to me, I'll take any goal that's coming, Ben, off someone's arse, you know, it's, you know, a, a, a comedy own goal. I'll have anything, right? And then we scored three really good goals. And I just thought, yeah, if, if players are able to have the confidence in themselves to, you know, to, to, to not take chances, but to express themselves, whatever that means, then then we've got some players who can play football. And I thought that was the that was the most positive thing. And also, the, the second thing linked in with that, the second half was wonderfully boring. It was brilliantly boring. We we managed it pretty well. They had one, they had one really good chance with Morosi saved it, um, but. Ultimately, I loved the way that we looked like we had a modicum of control. So that was nice and positive. And I thought that was really interesting. Paul Hurst mentioned that in his post-match interview. You don't have to play five at the back to be defensive. He said that, you know, that we, we, we basically make some tactical alterations and we did shut out shop. And they, we didn't, they, well, they had quite a bit of possession. I thought Wing had a game where he was just, I don't know what he was doing. He wasn't really on it. Um, but I think that was, again, you know, there's two sides to it. Yeah, Wing didn't play that well. But why didn't he play well? Because we shut down the spaces, we shut down the angles, and we worked really hard. And yeah, you know, you've got to look at both teams in terms of performances um, and also what the opposition did to stop that. Mike, you might be able to help me out on one thing. I was just going to say to round off the day itself in Reading. At the very end, there was a modicum of shithousery from Elliot Bennett. Did you notice this? Had you, had you departed the he, scene by then? He actually not? mentioned something on Twitter I, that he had some kind of interaction with some Reading fans, but I didn't know what it was. Well, I saw uh, I mean, he was running up and down yeah, after, you know, yeah. after the game, doing a bit of fitness training. Well, I don't know if you saw more than me, Mike, because I can say what I saw, but I, but it, I don't really know what I saw. No, I just, I just saw him. He was, he was doing the, well, sort of the warm down. He didn't get on, did he? But he was doing that and he just seemed to be in front of our, the away and sort of genus up post-match and like giving it the big one. But I didn't realise he'd had anything from, from the Reading end to sort of provoke that. Yeah, well, he was, he, once when he's running down towards us, Ollie, um, then, you know, obviously the crowd's cheering. We're cheering anything that's moving. And Bennett's giving it, you know, really getting into the crowd. And I think on the right-hand side were the most vocal Reading fans to, to where to where we were sitting. And I think somebody must have shouted something. And and, and he just blew them all kisses. And it was like, oh, has he seen someone he knows? And it turns out he didn't. It was just, um, yeah, you know, a, bit, a bit of bona fide shit housery, really. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's quite amusing. He's been talking about that on on X Twitter, whatever we're going to call it this evening as well, actually. And so Shay Dunkley, it was quite funny. So I think he he Shay Dunkley said for a nice lad, it was I was surprised to see a bit of shithousery from from Elliot Bennett. 
And Elliot was saying that as far as he's concerned, it's all part of the game. And if you give it out, you've got to be prepared to take it back. So he hasn't gone into any more detail, but you'd assume that maybe while he was warming up as a substitute, some of those Reading fans have been giving him a little bit of stick. So at the end of the game with the points in the back, and as he put on Twitter, we don't have to play him again this season. So he felt it was fair game to give it back again. And to be clear, just in case anybody wonders if he, he did not do anything out of order, blowing kisses at the crowd is absolutely not no. out of order, folks. We don't know what he actually said to him as well. So, yeah, it was a, a nice way of doing it. Um, talking of, of different players, um, there's going to be a few obviously inter- interesting options at the centre-back. So, you know, we said that Shraha came in and did well. I thought he does well, Dan. And, yeah, you talked about his physicality. You said he was a clever player. I think he's really calm in possession as well. He often looks to try and make a pass. He's one of those players, you know, he has been schooled at a, a higher end. Um, so that's really good to say. Um, and then Chris made a good observation in the agenda that um, Flanagan might be back soon as well. Well, Flanagan was back in training last week, full training from what Paul Hurst said in his pre, uh, pre-match interview. So, you know, you, you've talked already about how we, he wants to pick the experienced players. Well, Flanagan's one of our most experienced players. So, yeah, you'd imagine that he certainly comes into the thinking. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. He played as a left centre-back under Cottrell. So I could certainly see him playing alongside Dunkley as a left-sided centre-back as well. So, there's, you know, it's good that the manager's got options there, isn't it? And uh, it's a shame that Pierre's injured. But we've got a youngster in Shahar and a very experienced campaigner in Flanagan to, to come in. And... Uh, it's still not a bad headache for the manager. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to panic about that injury and think that it's going to derail us or anything. I'd like to I'd like to put a positive word out there for Aaron Pierre. I think a guy who was brought yeah. in by the previous manager was a bit of a stopgap, bit of a bit of a, you know, out of contract, come on in and see if you can help us out a bit. He's been an absolute warrior. You know, he's really had to has. work hard to get up to fitness, um, but he's been, he's been a, a real bonus for us to get in at a difficult time when, you know, Flanagan got injured. Um, and only have it. So I just think like Aaron Pierre, Anderson, like, where's Anderson? He's nowhere near, yeah, exactly. near the side. Yeah. And, you know, for all, you know, people say well, he's, he's not great in possession and he's not very fast, but he has saved us goal after goal in his performances over this run. And, and I can't say enough good things about Aaron Pierre. I think he's been brilliant. And how, is he injured for, do we know if he's injured for a while now or if that's not been divulged yet? Um, the manager said yet. it was a groin injury yeah. and he thinks it might be a few weeks, but that was based on okay. theory rather than knowledge. The shades of Toto Unciala for me. When Paul Hurst signed Unciala, he came from Hartlepool, who were near the bottom of League Two at the time, and he wasn't getting in their team. And I remember Hartlepool fans on social media saying, what the hell are you signing him for? And let's be honest, most Shrewsbury fans at the time thought, what the hell are we signing him for? And he turned out to be fantastic. Now, Aaron Pierre, since he left Shrewsbury first time around, has knocked around at Sutton United at Wimbledon in League Two and failed to pull up trees at either of them. So again, it seemed to me a player who was, uh, you know, struggling to make his mark at League Two coming into us. And I thought, how the hell is he going to be the answer? And yet, as Mike says, he's been fantastic. And he's good, that director of football, isn't he? He knows a player, that director of football. Oh, hold on. Well, if you believe the rumours, uh, Roland Witchley was the director of football of the Aaron Pierre signing. So uh, I think well, I would say as well, forget, he scored against Derby. You know, he, he stood there. Yeah, and, and he, good, he kept good finish. Goal. And at that point, in the great scheme of things... I mean, you think about that run against Wigan where he, you know, he was denied a save. He ran off the length of the pitch, smacks one. I mean, that was a good strike as well. That was a good save that denied him. And going back to his first spell, I remember his goal to knock Bristol City out of the FA Cup. So, you know, it's not entirely unheard goal. of for Aaron Pierre to pop up and smash one in from distance. So, But what I would say him. is he's not, Srahar is a better footballer, right? Yeah. Srahar is going to go places. And a the better question athlete is, as well. 
Yeah, and, and, and his reading of the game was really good the other day. I'm not saying that Pierre should be good. Don't get me wrong, I think Mike's dead right. When he came in, I didn't expect him to play. What's he played? 10, 15 games? And, uh, yeah. and been really solid. The issue, the, the thing I find interesting is Dunkley's the only one really, and Feeney, but it's not going to happen, who wants to play on the right of that back too. But we've got a lot of people who want to play on the left. Now, if Flanagan wanted to play on the right, I think Dunkley is not in the strongest of positions. I, I, that may be heresy, but he's a kick it, edit, centre-half. That is and, absolutely and heresy. Right? You're absolutely mental. I thought you might say that. <laughs> you can't drop Che Dunkley. In fact, I've been thinking... I'm not saying we should drop him now, but if oh, we I'm wondering, somebody... actually, I, one thing I haven't, that hasn't actually happened so far this season is, well, hasn't happened for a while, but has anyone been suspended for an accumulation of yellow cards? We picked up quite a few on Saturday. So I do wonder whether we might actually lose a player soon to... Suspension. That's a good question. Never even thought about that. That's a good question. We Going haven't had any this season. Can I just, uh, just going to interject there? Sorry, Ollie. Going back to Shea Dunkley, I've been thinking today, and I don't know if I've missed it. I don't know if I've not been in the stand at the right point or if I'm you know, going down for a wee. Has he not got a song? Do we not sing a song about Shea Dunkley? My son you know, said Captain, this today. How bizarre. Captain Leader Legend. We've got a song for Taylor Perry putting on a show or, or Taylor Perry sitting on the bench, whichever way you want to sing it. How are we not singing Shea Dunkley to the rafters? He's brilliant. Maybe this is why Shea Dunkley's always talking about Wigan fans and that. Exactly. They must have sang loads of songs about him. Yeah. So if anybody who listens in the singing sections, anybody from Block 19 or, you know, the South 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 Standing, write a song about Shea Dunkley, for God's sake. I'm not creative enough, but somebody can crack one out, can't they? Come on. I also also want to say, if Shea Dunkley listens to this podcast, and you never know, I just want you to know, Shea, that Dan's on his own. Yeah, I I guess you can send him my address, aren't you? I love you. Yeah, no, he's a big, he's bigger than me. You well. made a very good guess in terms of appearances. Um, um, Pierre's made a 17 appearances, which is pretty good, yeah, wouldn't it? Because that's a good, that's a good number for, and he's performed well. So, yeah, a lot of competition at the back now, which is good. Um, and I think actually, I think you've hit on a good point there, Mike. You know, we've gone for more experienced players, and it's probably why Pierre started against Northampton and he's, he's earned, earned keeping that, um, that shirt. So, yeah, um, can, can I just qualify that? Look, I'm, I'm not calling for Shade Uncle. So I want him in case he turns up at my house, and I, I'd, I'd have no chance then. But um, the, the, the bigger picture is more about football, and I, I, I think that we, we need to ask ourselves about keeping the ball a bit better. And when the ball's at Shade Uncle's feet, I do worry a lot. Um, when he gets to head it, I don't worry so much then. But um, I think Flanagan has got more as a footballer, but he doesn't play in the same position. So Chase. Fixtures coming up. Um, some winnable games, I'd say. It did get the saying that the fixtures did look a bit tougher after Blackpool beat Bolton 4 1, um, who seem to be a bit under bit of us not doing so well at the moment. But yeah, Tuesday night, Shrewsbury Tanner away at Lincoln. Um, I, you know, get a point for that. I think that'd be good. Then we've got Blackpool at home. Then we've got Port Vale away. And Port Vale are not doing very well. Moore's only won, has won nothing, three, three, three defeats um, since he's been there. Then we've got Exeter. And then we've got Carlisle, who I can't wait to play. Carlisle. Hopefully, Paul Simpson is the manager. He's called out some of the players in the press last week um, and then had to apologise for it. And I do like vividly remember um, Carlisle fans getting extremely upset with me that I said that we were two poor sides. Um, and they got 20 points. So I think it's fair to say they're a bit shit. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to playing them. Um, so, yeah, so interesting fixtures coming up. Um, I mean, hopefully you get some points from those. Um, go ahead, Dan. Yes, I, th- I think you're right there, Ollie. I mean, we're at the business end of the season, right? There are always going to be interesting fixtures wherever we were playing. The Blackpool one, I think, it's worth remembering they are top. 
of the home league table. They're very good at Bloomfield Road. They're not nearly so good away from home. I think they've um, lost eight of their 16 games, something like that. So they're clearly not a basket case. I'm not saying that, but um, but I'd rather be playing them at the Meadow than I would away. So given that we're a bit better at home generally, you know, I think we, we, yeah. we should go into that game being being a bit more positive than, than the league positions might lead us to. We Fair were Chris. better at home. Let's be honest. We've played three at home, three away under Paul Hurst. And so far away from home, we're unbeaten. And at home, we haven't won any. So that at the moment, that record does has actually reversed a little bit. But yeah, you're right that Blackpool obviously demolished us at their place. And I'd rather be playing them at home right now. Got a tough one before then on Tuesday night. Lincoln have been doing really well under Scabala to the point that uh, they're on the you know they've got a slim chance they're probably us from last year in that nobody's really got them in the playoff race but i bet their fans are dreaming about it and thinking it's not impossible when you look at mind you do you see the, the the leg up they got at the weekend with the first goal i mean put the portville captain took a free kick yeah. tried to pass it square across the box and didn't he just passed it straight to the center forward so we could do doing that without doing that in the first minute of the game which is i think when it was Ah, uh, sensational. It's a lovely little clip to watch, isn't it? It's, it's just one of the worst free kicks you'll ever, ever see. As was Toto and Sally's own goal. Have you seen that, guy? Yeah. Yes, brilliant. Oh, dear. A a lazy, a lazy How was that given as a goal for the player who hit the shot as well? If people haven't seen that, you need to go and find it. It's there on social media. So Burton's game on Saturday on Ciara deflects a shot, which he kind of sticks a leg out. like He looks like he's a ballerina or something, the angle he's got his foot at, and the ball deflects off it, doesn't it, and floats up over the keeper. That's not been given as an own goal so far. I can't see how. To me, that's an Ciara own goal. So, yeah, we're going into, um, got a few games, haven't we, against a few teams that have got a bit of form, um, Blackpool, Lincoln, and a few teams that are not doing so well at the moment. Um, obviously, the Carlisle, Port Vale, and yeah, hopefully we can get something against Exeter. I feel like we owned something from, from last season. Still can't believe we did that. Um, Bayless didn't take that chance away. It's still so vivid in my memory. It's it's interesting to go into this run of games though, and maybe you know I've got my poor Hurst spectacles on, but I don't. I'm not going into any of these games with a huge amount of fear. The way we're playing. Positive. I feel like I feel like there's results everywhere if we if we get it right, and I, I think we should be going to these games looking to take points, not looking to sort of you know nick something here or there. Um, and you know, if I think if we play the way we're playing now, if we carry that on through the rest of the season, I, I think we've got enough. I'm I'm yeah. much more confident than I was a month and a half ago. I thought we were doomed under Taylor. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to review that little section of games again and see and see whether the wheels came off or whether we carried it on because it's kind of make or break now, isn't it? That little section. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if we get to Carlisle and we've won, and we've won, you know, we've picked up a couple of draws, got at least two wins. I think we'll be fine then. Um, so it'd be interesting to, to go ahead. Um, just kind of doing a little bit on on Salop news. Um, our big marquee signing um, for Mickey Moore in the summer, where we paid money and signed a striker, um, has gone on loan back to Sligo Rangers, um, which is. Is it Rovers or Rangers? I don't know. Anyway, Rovers. Really I think it's Rovers, yeah. 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 Um, but that says a lot, doesn't it? Um, a disaster for more that. Um, we're going to cover the director of football and more signing in, in, in more detail. Um, but I think it's worth just quickly touching on there that, yeah, it wasn't the best week for Mickey Moore's signings in terms of Perry um, and Matter um, going out. Um, and I think also says a lot about Taylor's management that um, Matter was in such low confidence that he went to Paul Hurst and said, I need to get some game time. So, yeah, disappointing to see. Um... But I'm not averse to him going, Ollie. I mean, clearly he's not in the plans at the moment. And 
um, you would hope there's, there's something about him. I, mean, I, I sensed a, a bit of a lack of confidence. Well, but I think really it's, better, it's better for him to be playing in Ireland than not playing with us, right? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I'd, I, so I've, there's a guy who I know who works in, in football recruitment and he says that, you know, a number of EFL teams were looking at him. So there is something there. Um, and maybe maybe um, Paul Hurst can do something with him when he comes back in the summer, hopefully. Um, a bit of confidence, so worth, worth keeping an eye, eye on that. Um, and then a, a, another little bit of news, obviously the season tickets um, are on sale and they've been frozen, which I think is a quite a big surprise given where inflation is um, and where the club finances are. So I think it's quite nice that the club have done that. And also, you know, kids are free again um, um, under sevens, is it, Chris? I can't remember, under sevens are free. Um, so that's yeah, a under nice seven's offer free as well. and under thirteens are only fifteen quid for the season, so almost free. So yeah, both yeah. pretty good deal. Pretty good deal, really. Yeah, I, I was quite impressed with that. I'm still there saying it should be twenty three quid. It should be twenty three quid, not fifteen. One pound a game. I like that. Perhaps it's my OCD kicking in, but I don't understand why <laughs> fifteen. I'll pay more, folks. I'll pay more for my twins. Twenty three <laughs> quid. Okay. Well, I'll keep the eight quid and spend it on something else. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with Chris on that one. Himself, probably. Um, but yeah. Um, and then um, finally, Mike, um, you're doing some running. Yeah, some running. It's not. It doesn't look like running when I'm doing it. Um, yeah, I, the people who listen to this podcast have been listening for a long time will remember uh, Ollie originally started it with my brother Glenn, who passed away uh, about yeah, 16, 14 months ago uh, from bowel cancer. So while Glenn was alive, he was an avid runner, big marathon runner, always used to try to get me involved. I always used to find a, a, an appropriate excuse not to bother because I hate running, but I have signed up to run the London Marathon uh, to raise money for Bowel Cancer UK. Um, so I've got a just given out there, um, which is called Mike's Marathon for Glynn. Um, I might get Ollie to see if he'll tweet uh, a link for it. Um, if anybody's got anything they want to contribute, if they enjoyed Glynn's sort of um, output over the years, his, his general rantiness um, and some of his wild flights of fancy he had, then any, if any quids you can chuck in would be brilliant. Um, luckily for me, I've already hit my target that I had to take to run the marathon. So anything now is just uh, extra money for a, a brilliant cause. So um, if anyone wants to check that out, like I say, it's Mike's Marathon for Glynn on Just Giving or um, check the check the Twitter output and there'll be a, there'll be a link on there somewhere. But um, yeah, we'll yeah, share it out. that's all I wanted to push really. Yeah, thank you. How's the training going, Mike? Is it going all right? Or? I hate, I still hate running, but I'm up to a couple <laughs> of hours of it. Um, yeah, it's going all right. It's been, it's, yeah, it's been okay. Um, the weather's not been brilliant, but I just kind of try and avoid the rain where I can. And um, essentially, I'm going to finish the, I'm going to f- get over that finish line, hopefully in London, and then immediately sell my shoes on eBay and never run again. Well, that might be what I, mean, I do. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, keep an eye on your shoes. That's the big thing I learned from doing lots of running is to, yeah, don't, like, well, for me personally, I wouldn't do more than 100, 150 miles in a pair of shoes and then change them again. So that's how I did my knee. Um, so, yeah, right. and it's expensive. I can't afford, I can't, yeah, I say, I w- I'll be using the same shoes I've been <laughs> running in for many years because I can't afford new running shoes. I would, like 70 quid or something. I would seriously quid. consider getting a new pair of shoes or if not, think about it because, yeah, 50 quid now might save you. Um, I tell her like my my mum invested in some new shoes for me because she wants to look after her little boy. So she bought me some shoes uh, a few weeks go. ago, which is very nice That's of her. Yeah. Are you got a target cool. time, Mike? Are you going to get around in four hours? About five a week and a half. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and beat the man in the diving suit. That's the plan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to target between four and four and a half hours. Um, but I'm also got loads, I've got lots of excuses why not to do that as well. So yeah. We'll see. No, I'll give. I'll, get, I'll update with the time when it's done, if it's done. Yeah, you have to come back and you have to let us know how your training's going. So yeah, definitely yeah. we'll share the link out. And yeah, if you can um, sponsor Mike, that would be fantastic. Um, any final thoughts, lads, before we close the podcast? 
No. Paulus Barnum. Yeah, Paul, Hirsty's at the wheel. That's all I'm singing. I'm walking around the house. Hirsty's at the wheel. My kids are singing it. I think just keep the good times rolling. It's, it's good at the moment, I think. I was going to say one thing as well, that as and when the bumps in the road come, let, let's remember that they will come. And we've had a couple already, right? And I think the fan base has generally been, you know, mega supportive of Hurst, and that's good. But we ain't going to win every game to the end of the season. So so let, let's, let's. I mean, it's an obvious thing to say, but let's remember that. When we have, when we have a stinker, and we will, let's just keep going. Yeah. Too right. Fingers crossed not against, not against Carlisle. So, yeah, um, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, we'll be back at some point in the future, a few weeks ago, a few weeks to go and we'll come back. So thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate all the support.